Welcome to Adventures with My 40s. I'm Courtney Novak, a 41-year-old woman trying to figure out how to thrive during this decade of life. You can find the show notes at CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And here's the show. Hello, adventurers! I am recording this, episode 14, on Tuesday, October 6, 2020. I skipped recording an episode last week, and, uh, you know, to be honest, I didn't miss you guys. Uh, I'd done 13 episodes, and it was time for a week off. Uh, my brother was in town, and with my sister-in-law and my two nieces, who are cl- pretty close in age to my kids, and we just were sort of on staycation, and, yeah, no, not sort of, we were. We were on staycation Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Julian got to ditch preschool. Pippa ditched distance learning. It was amazing. I feel a lot, well, I feel better. I, I feel like I'm renewed and ready to confront the special hell that is distance learning. But I also just hate distance learning. We're, we're, we're doing what we need to do in terms of like mental health, but it hasn't been a very productive or meaningful school year. That's a whole other episode. I'm just, I don't even want to get into talking about distance learning. I was on staycation and it was a lovely break from school and it was great to see my brother and my sister-in-law and my little nieces and we went to the beach one day and my brother uh, had Pippa and my niece Beatrice boogie boarding and Julian tried but I determined the um, risk of him being swept out to sea was way too high after his first two efforts. He was very devastated about that, but it's like, you know what? Maybe next summer, dude. Maybe next summer. So I am back, though. I'm excited to be back. So I didn't miss you guys because it was, you know, sometimes you need a little vacation. We all do. Or a staycation. Oh, my chair is so noisy. Um, So I didn't miss you, but then, like, Sunday, the urge till recorded episode was back and I was but I couldn't like I was at home with the kids and the house was just way too noisy and then yesterday Mondays are no good I was on Mondays I'm really on mom mode because Pip only has an hour and she doesn't do her pod so we ended up having a mommy daughter date which was great we went to our local bookstore and th- there's been concerns that they're going to end up closing that the store needs to hang on till Christmas because they do really good business then, but they might not make it because of less shopping during the pandemic and the closures. So I made sure to take her there and she was due for some new read to self books. And she had been doing um, all these Dogman books, which are like graphic novels for kids with lots of like fart and poop jokes. And she was loving those. And I'd got her a couple of other, like um, there's a babysitter's club, like the little sisters graphic novel. And she liked that. And there was a frozen one. And then one that's based on this like French animated show she watches on Netflix, Miraculous. And so I assumed we were going to be getting her more like graphic novel type books. But we were, I was pulling all of these chapter books off the shelves that were heavily illustrated. And she picked like five or six of them and um, was very excited to start one today. I don't know which one she's starting today. It might be about the mermaid elf. Yeah, it was definitely a mermaid elf book. But it was cool because some of the books I'd pull off the shelf and I think she's totally going to be into this. And she'd be like, mm, no. And then ones that I was like, I don't think this is going to really maybe not be her jam. And she's like, yes, Mermaid Elf. Give me the Mermaid Elf. And there's like a puppy book. I think it's called Puppy Magic. And I thought she was going to dismiss that as too babyish, but she was totally down with Puppy Magic. So, you know, it's 
whatever she reads, she reads. It doesn't need to be Dickens ever. And if she's enjoying it, I'm happy. So yeah, yesterday though was definitely a mom mode day because then I had Julian in the afternoon and Pip was at camp. And anyway, yeah, I played lots of board games with Julian and we did a puzzle. So I didn't have any opportunities to do a podcast. But here I am today and I'm so excited to be doing this. I had my hormone test last week while I was away from the show. It's I finally ovulated and had it show up on my ovulation little predictor test. And I, I think I actually whooped out loud when it finally happened because I had tested myself so many times during my last cycle and never got a positive result. And I was you know, my anxiety brain was going into like, how am I going to take this test if I don't ever ovulate? How will I know when to actually take it? So then I ovulated and that was a relief. And it was, um, and I'm glad the test is over because there were all these restrictions about like, I couldn't eat bananas. And I love, I always have like a banana in my morning smoothie and I couldn't eat avocado. And we were going to like get getting takeout from a restaurant while I was visiting with my brother's family where I always get this dish with avocado. So I was very glad to be done with the restrictions and there were all these limits about like don't drink more, don't drink between these hours and don't drink more than one beverage during these hours. And I'm just like, I'm a thirsty girl. There's usually like an iced decaf coffee or some caffeine-free diet coke or water. Um, I have not been drinking enough water lately, and I'm not going to beat myself up about that because pandemic. So it was tough. I was very thirsty when the test was over, and I sealed it up yesterday and mailed it off. It took eight stamps. You know, just a question. When you've spent $350 on a hormone test, can't they just, like, go the extra mile and give you the self-address, like, the stamp, the stamped envelope? Like, they, like, already postage paid. There you go. Why do I have to, like dig up my stamps and put eight freaking stamps on one envelope when I've already paid $350. Can you charge me $352 then? I mean, like, come on, for God's sakes. All right, so this week I want to talk about finding and claiming my voice. Something I've been thinking about a lot like the past week. Um, over the past several years, I think I've been finding my voice and claiming it more and more and feeling like I have a right to my opinions, and not just a right to my opinions, but to the way that I express them. I am, um, what are the words I want to use? A bit whimsical, but also a bit snarky, um, funny, but um, also, like, honest, like, ready to, you know, I wrote my memoir about postpartum depression, and there's parts of it that are, like, laugh out loud funny. And also parts where it's like, yes, I'm going to tell you exactly what it was like to think about throwing my daughter. So that's, that's me. And I think I had buried my own true voice for many, many years. Um, let me, let me start with the life experiences I had that would have led me to think I need to silence my voice. Um, I think we're all born with our own unique voice, our own perspective, and that it's wonderful that we all come to the table with different voices and different styles that, you know, resonate with different people in different ways. But life, um, for me, there were, you know, some experiences and, you know, some people have a negative experience and it doesn't really affect them. If, if they have like that grit, they're just, it makes them even more determined. But they, um, I was definitely felt from a few from a few significant moments in my life I felt like 
I wasn't, that who I am wasn't good enough, so that I edited my own voice, my own, like, my writing style, my own way of just living life. Because I'm saying voice, and that's, like, a lot of that is to do with just, like, talking here on this podcast, or the way I write. A, A lot about the way I write. But it's also just about style, just about the way you live, the choices you make. So voices right now, um, just like a word, you know, it's just another word for authenticity. It, and this is something I've really only been thinking about the past week. <laughs> so I'm not being exceptionally articulate, but you know, this is the journey, taking you on my journey, going through the adventures with my 40s. So, okay, let me stop rambling and where can I ever do that? That's definitely my voice is rambling and tangents. That's partly who I am. Um, I'm very curious and I'm very like, like, get interested in different things. And that comes together with my rambling. All right. So in high school, I think it was in 12th grade, I was in religion class because I was at Catholic school and sitting next to a friend of me who um, was, we shared a lot of friends, but we ourselves did not click in high school and um if I met this woman now like if our kids were going to school together I think like we'd be really good friends but we just were like oil and vinegar during our high school years and but we but we were frenemies so like we would sit next to each other in classes but didn't actually like you know I'm sure I did shit that annoyed the hell out of her and um you know, I'm not saying like claiming innocence here. Anyway, we all have frenemies at some points in our lives. So anyway, sitting next to a frenemy in religion class, and we had taken some sort of like vocational test where it was like suggesting careers. We, we were doing something about that. I don't even know why this would come up in religion. Oh, I think I do. I think we used to have our guidance counselor would show up in religion class like once a week or every other week or something and talk about so like religion was like three days a week was like we're talking about the gospels and the beatitudes and then that one day would be now we're gonna have the sex talk where we don't really talk about sex because this is catholic school or now we're gonna talk about smoking yes so i think this must have been like the guidance counselor session and i remember looking down this list of professions and one of them And I think I had taken a test and it was telling me like, you know, 20 things that would be a good fit for me. And one of them said stand-up comedian. And I said to my friend of me, oh, that would be fun, kind of, to be a stand-up comedian. And my friend of me um, (laughs) said, yeah, but you'd have to be funny. (laughs) You know, she may have like, she may have completely meant what she said. Like at the time I took it as oh, my friend of me doesn't even think I'm funny, and she thinks the idea of me being a stand-up comedian is ludicrous. So, like, and that may have been what she meant. Or she may have been trying to be funny by making that mean remark. Who cares? The point is that she made that remark, and I took it to heart. Something about, like, a friend of me can really get under your skin, and you can have 99 people say, wow, I think you're so funny. But then that hundredth person happens to be the frenemy and they make a remark that implies you're not funny. And that is the shit that like outweighs everything else. Hang on, I'm moving my computer notes because I got locked out of my computer while recording this. And okay, just wanted to make sure it's still recording because it'd be kind of 
kind of sad if I had just been talking to myself for the past 11 minutes, even though that's really what this podcast is, is me talking to myself for like 20 to 45 minutes. But okay. So that one experience, that was like one of those like formative moments that haunted me. Now, I think my, my daughter Pippa is very fierce and you can't really like, you can't put that baby in a corner. And if someone had told her, like, she's really into the visual arts. And if someone told her that, like, oh, you're not good at this, I think she'd just roll her eyes and be like, well, I don't care about that person's opinion. I have been, I'm a recovering approval junkie. And so for me, the disapproval of one has always meant more than the approval of, like, the other 99. So I took that really to heart. And I'm funny, and I'm funny to certain people. Like, there's different, there's different sitcoms. Like, not everyone likes the same sitcom. There's different stand-up comedians. There's different um, comic strips. I used to read the cartoons religiously, and would religiously skip five or six of them because it just wasn't my humor. But they were still there and being published and paid to be published because obviously some people like them. Like different, you know, things resonate with different people. And I used to write short stories um, when I should have been paying attention to my classes in school. And I had friends who just adored them and thought they were hilarious. And I let, though, this one person making a remark, and she may not even have meant it intentionally, you know, really, like, weigh me down. And I felt like, oh, I might think I'm funny, but I don't have a right to try to be funny because I'm not really that funny. Okay, so that was a moment in high school, which I think is one of those, I think, you know, we all have shit that happens in high school that, like, it weighs us down. And just even, like, acknowledging how um, influential that one, like, moment. I mean, it's like a 30 seconds, like, clip of my life, and yet it's, like, really influenced me for just decades. And I think a lot of people have that stuff happen. Okay. Then in college, two experiences really affected me, both in my freshman year. And the first one would have happened in the, within the first month of college. And, you know, you're scrambling to make your friends, and it feels, like, very urgent, or it did to me, like, I gotta make friends. And I was friends with this, um, well, I guess, were we women? Like, we were 18, I guess a woman. And she was a bit of a tight ass, you would say. And... We had circumstances had just brought us together in terms of like activities that we met through orientation week. And then she lived on the same floor as some other people I'd met. So we were hanging out those first few weeks of school. We were not destined to be friends. We were just not like, we're not like, this is not someone I miss or want to reconnect with ever. We were not destined to be friends, but we were, I remember exactly where we were. We were walking along this, um, pathway away from the dining halls and we were probably going to visit someone who was who is became one of my really good friends and you know I remember the pot the path we were in between these really big administrative buildings on our on our right and on our left were these dorms um I think it was they were called Mass Row I never lived in those dorms so I don't remember their name who cares and we're walking and I must have said like something with some swear words and she said like, can I ask you, why do you have to curse so much? And her, and I can't even imitate the voice, how judgmental it was. And, like, basically implying, like, you are a bad person for cursing. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, does it bother you? And she's like, yes, it does. It offends me. And 
I made an effort a lot after that for a while to not curse as much. And look, I'm just someone who's got a potty mouth. And I, I have never, or maybe I've sworn once in front of my kids, I'm really good about not swearing in front of children. But I, you know, and sometimes I don't swear all day. And sometimes I need to say fuck, like, you know, like every other word. And yet I let that woman silence me. Like, I should have just stopped walking and been like, you know what, like, if you don't like my like potty mouth, we're we're just really not gonna work out as friends. So let, let's just go our separate ways now and save ourselves a few more boring weeks of enduring each other. And you know, I look back now and that's what I should have done. But instead, I was so eager to have friends. I was like, oh, I better edit my voice. I better not swear, and because I'm offending this woman, and maybe this is like my only friend. Again, that's like with that scarcity myth. Like there were so many people at my college that I could have been friends with. I was making new friends like the last weeks of school and those friendships just didn't carry over because I didn't have time to establish them. But there were so many people to meet. I didn't need to change who I was for this one tight ass student. And you know, and I'm calling her a tight ass. I'm making fun of her. And like, she's got her people, and they're not my people, and that's that's fine. We all have our own people. I can't be friends with everyone. There were too many people. There were over a thousand kids in my, in my class at college. I couldn't know them all, let alone be friends with them all, and yet I was sort of friends with this woman for, like, you know, a quarter of college, and I, I like... I felt shame because she criticized me for cursing instead of just shrugging it off. I, I sat there and like wallowed in some shame about that. And the last formative experience I want to talk about is the creative writing class I took in college. This was, this felt like a big deal to me because creative writing is just something I've loved all my life. And you had to apply to be in the class and submit some writing samples. And it really did feel like you were being judged whether you were worthy to do any sort of creative writing and I got into the class and was you know and there were a bunch of sophomores and juniors in the class so not everyone got in as a freshman and we the first half of the class was poetry and the second half of the class was short stories and long story short the professor just didn't like me he was a poet and a very like dark moody poet not there was no humor in his writing and to him, anything, anyone who wrote with humor, that wasn't, that just wasn't very good writing. And the the poet poems and short stories I was submitting, he kept, you know, he just had lots of, you know, mean remarks about them and clearly just didn't think I was very good. So, and I was trying to then change my writing style to get this man's approval just because he happened to be my professor. And when the class was over, I never applied for another creative writing class. I had entered college totally intent. You couldn't major, but you could minor in creative writing and thought, okay, this is like my passion. Let me minor in this. And by the end of that one class, I was like, oh, I can't minor in this. And, you know, I mean, I ended up going to law school because I just didn't think I was going to deny, I'd rather deny my inner call than you'd be subject to people criticizing my, my artistic voice. So, okay, those are some of the three life experiences. And, you know, that really just like a two-year period. And I, it's, it's just interesting. I, I'd love to talk to people and see, like, what formative experiences they had and 
I bet a lot of people like high school and college tends to be like a really formative time or maybe it's just me I don't know I want to talk I want to hear more about that then there were times like look back where I saw I really consciously gave up my voice like freshman year of college one of my good friends wanted to start a radio show and we had two stations AM and FM and FM was actually a for-profit station that was very successful and there was like a format and it played like mainstream rock and it wasn't a lot of space for like bringing your it was like your typical radio dj if you imagine it wasn't like you could go be like howard stern it was you're gonna do what it like what everyone else is doing during your shift but on the am you could do whatever you wanted and my friend wanted to start a jazz show and i knew nothing about jazz but i was like sure why not and we did it like saturday or sunday mornings and we would just pull out record albums and be like, we think the cover of this album is cool and we'd play it and, you know, and we'd talk and we we're like, there's probably like maybe four people listening to us, if if that. So it's not like we, we could just say whatever we wanted and it was so much fun. And I ended up doing another radio show with a friend that was more of a rock show. And again, we had fun. So then my sophomore summer, my college, you had to go to school during the summer after your sophomore year, which was like their way of, and then you took another term off and that was their way of like relieving a housing crunch. And they would need more, more DJs during that summer because all the, a bunch of other students were off campus. So one of my friends who worked at the radio station convinced me to take on a shift. And I remember just feeling so stiff and awkward and struggling with it because it just wasn't me. And I never went back to AM radio because that experience just really tainted radio for me. And here I am doing a podcast again and being myself. So you're just fitting my feeling like I needed to fit in to be successful with like the FM station. And it just it made me I felt gross. Also, I wrote a column for the school newspaper. And I started that freshman year and my, it was quirky. Quirky is the best word. And I had a few people, I even got asked out on um, one, if not two dates, just based on the column. And, it, you know, I, I, like some people wrote like really political things or just very serious subjects. And I, my things were whimsical and like it, during the winter when it snowed, I wrote about how there needed to be, like people would put salt down and but we never saw it. It happened like when the students were asleep. And so I wrote about the salt fairies. Like you probably assume it's like some staff, but it's actually fairies. And it, you know, and I wrote about um we had course requirements that we were supposed to take. And I said this should really be like an underground black market for trading credits so that like the math majors can trade trade credits with the humanity majors and you know, vice versa. So I wrote those sorts of columns. Junior year, I was doing my study abroad program. And someone and the current editor of the paper asked if I wanted to apply to be the editor. And I didn't. I really didn't. I wanted to just keep writing the columns. But I thought, oh, this would be a good thing for my resume. So I applied and I got the job, probably because I was the only one who applied. I was stupid enough to apply. Well, all right, I don't want to call myself stupid. And then after that, and you did like a tenure that was like, I ended up doing two terms and then you're done for the last two terms of your senior year. But then the new editors of the newspaper wouldn't let me write a column again. They're like, oh, once you've had been the editor, you're not allowed to write a column because it shows bias, da, da, da. So I lost out 
on this fun thing I used to do because I opted for the serious thing that I thought would look good on my resume. And it probably did look better on my resume, but who gives a shit? Like, no one cares now, but to me it seemed like a big deal at the time. Like, I'm sick of, like, you know, now I'm 41 and it's just, like, it's just too exhausting to try to do things to, like, make a resume look good or to impress other people. But at that time, at, like, 21, that seemed really important. And then, oh my gosh, I really gave up my voice when I went to law school. I, oh my God. So the first year of law school, we had like a class called lawyering skills. And it basically, a lot of it was teaching you how to write like a lawyer. And my God, writing like a lawyer just felt so unnatural to me. And then I went and became a lawyer. And it, the legal writing, a lot of it's repetitive. It's boring. And... You're not, I would always try to slip something interesting in. And there was this um, older partner I worked for for several years. And he would be like, Courtney, I saw the Hamlet reference. And I'd be like, please. It's just so boring. And he would always let me slip like one thing. But if I was too colorful with my language or just, you know, you had to rub away all of your personality in order to be a good legal writer. And I was good at it, but I didn't enjoy it. And it was certainly not my voice. I mean, you, you, you would write these angry letters to opposing counsel and oh, it was just so sterile and it wasn't me. Yet, during all of these experiences, my voice was never fully silenced. Like I said, I had the op-ed column. I, you know, I made a mistake in giving it up, but I had it. And, and I got it because um, <laughs> one of my freshman roommates, we had four of us and we just, it was three against one. That poor one, but God, she really was annoying. And she had a column. And I used to say to people like, man, I bet I could write a column too. And finally it was like, yeah, why not? And I did. And you know, like I did that. I used to have a blog called Wendy the Cactus. <laughs> it was about a cactus named Wendy. It was this little tiny cactus and Wendy was like really bitchy and I'd take pictures of her. I took Wendy to Disneyland once and I had so much fun with Wendy and like I just couldn't silence my own like in my own way of looking at the world, my own sense of humor. Because yes, I am the sort of person who names a cactus Wendy and then takes her places. I gave, I bought her props. She had like a little tiny hat. She was so much fun. And I also had a blog called The Cranky Pumpkin. And it was just an outlet for me. And I even took a creative writing class online. Um, just like, because I couldn't, I, I couldn't silence who I really am completely, even while I was being a, like a boring, miserable lawyer. And eventually I quit the law and I was writing a novel. And like, my first novel was absolute garbage. It will never be published. But it was, it got me into writing and it got me into a place where I was then ready to write my memoir and actually publish that. And you know, PPD, postpartum depression, actually was a really big part of me reclaiming my voice because for a while I thought I had to keep that experience secret. And I realized my voice matters and I need to tell this to people in order to feel like my best self. And then I started my first podcast, Adventures with Postpartum Depression. And that was a big part in me making like baby steps towards reclaiming my voice. But I got to tell you, as much as I enjoyed that work, I also felt like I couldn't just start a podcast like this one, which has sort of you know, whatever I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about it. I felt like I had to have like this format, like my voice of just me, whatever I'm thinking about wasn't legitimate, but me talking about postpartum depression 
sure, there weren't really any podcasts when I started mine about that, so that was valid. And I, you know, and I retired that podcast, and I'm glad I did that work. But and people still listen to it, so you know, I'm glad it's out there for the people who need it. But I wasn't able to fully be myself and talk about what's on my mind and talk about it in the way that, you know, I never felt like I could be fully myself because I knew my audience was in like a very tender, like dark place. But it was a, it was a baby steps. And strangely enough, I got to tell you that one of the biggest experiences in reclaiming my voice was being a room mom when Pippa was in kindergarten. Talk about, like, I was at her back-to-school night, or whatever it was, like the welcome back fair, and there was a table for the room moms, and I had decided in advance, because um, I had run the book fair at uh, her preschool, I was like, I'm not going to take on anything big this year, I'm not going to overwhelm myself, but then I went to, like, the table with the room mom signed up, so, you know, room parent, sorry, and there was, like, a dad, and I I just felt compelled to to put my name on the list, so I did. And, um, I remember like in the beginning of the year, writing these emails to the class and trying to write it in like the way that I thought a room mom was supposed to do it. And at some point I just flipped the switch and just started writing them in my own style, which is a little snarky and, um, it's just, just, just who I am. And that really helped me feel like myself. And... I re so and I feel like getting this podcast started has also really helped me reclaim my voice. It's sort of helped loosen me up and get comfortable with the idea of like this is who I am, and you know, I, not everyone's gonna love me, and that's okay. And you know, there might even be people who like when I send out emails in my role as room mom. I'm still the room mom as in second grade with distance learning. When I send out emails, I bet there's a few people in the class who just roll their eyes. They're like, oh my god, she thinks she's so funny. Like, gosh, she's so lame. Or and who cares? Like, that's their issue. Like, I'm not here to make everyone think I'm awesome. I'm just being who my awesome self is. And if people can appreciate that, great. But if it's not their style, that's fine. But if I don't go and be my sort of awesome, then the people who actually appreciate my awesome are missing out on it. So, you know, the people who roll their eyes at me when I send my room mom emails, well, like they can go ahead and be room mom if it's such a big deal to them. And they're probably, they're not listening to this podcast. They're not going to like sign up for my newsletter. They're not going to read my books and who cares? I don't need them. I'm not going to get everyone in the world to like me. Like can't do it. I then a few weeks ago or a month ago, I can't remember if I already mentioned this on the show. I had my memoirs available on Amazon and I had written a really boring description for it that I thought like looking at other postpartum depression books, they're very like serious and somber. And I just tried to imitate them. And I even had had someone, I paid someone like a hundred bucks who is like a copy editor who writes book descriptions. And he wrote this thing and it just, when I read it, I like cringed. It just didn't sound like me, but I sort of adapted it and put it on Amazon. And then over the summer, I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't need to, who cares that I spent a hundred bucks on it? Like it's money spent, it's gone. Let me write my own thing. But I imitated the Brooke Shields memoir, Down Came the Rain. And it was just like a very bleak and kind of like generic book description. And so then I rewrote it a few weeks ago 
And I'm not going to read it to you. You can go look on Amazon if you're interested, but it's so much more me. It's an actually, the book description is actually funny. And I said, this book is different from the other postpartum depression memoirs because this one is funny. And I'm just putting it out there. And I've started running ads. You can run ads through Amazon and they're not even that expensive because you only get charged when someone clicks. And I'm run. I, I tried running ads when I first got the book out there and then I just felt intimidated by the whole process and I stopped and now I'm doing it and I'm like you know some people are going to see the ad for the book and they're not going to like they're going to think what a stupid idea for a book and some people are not are going to see the ad but they're not even going to like process it's there and some people are going to click on it and I've sold like you know just a few copies of the book since I started this but it was or no four and two people have been reading it on Kindle Unlimited which is not a lot but it's more than it had been like the past few months and the more I try to put my books out there the more people who actually would enjoy my book will find it and my voice matters <sighs> and I've been working on another project um, it's an activity book it's called the distance learning activity book for parents just barely holding on to their last scrap of sanity or maybe shred of sanity I forget what I picked I think shred of sanity that sounds better and I will share more about that as I finish it. It has been so much fun. It has been therapeutic. I work on it when Pippa is like doing distance learning at home because I I can't work on my uh, fantasy series because I get interrupted too many times. And so and it's just been funny and I want to publish it on Amazon when I'm done and I'll publish it in like two or three weeks if I can get it, you know, enough pages done. And, you know, and Maybe 10 people will like it, maybe 100, I don't know, but I want to put it out there and it just feels good to be like, this is me and this is my sense of humor and let me put it out into the world. Let me not silence my voice anymore. I'm 41 and it's just too damn exhausting to silence my voice. I even have um, another novel I want to write, even though I'm working on my fantasy series, it's very like slow to put it together because I'm like, I'm also world building and I have this idea for basically a room mom novel like a series and I already know what I want to write for the book one so I'm going to do NaNoWriMo which if you've not heard of it it's I think it means National November Writing Month where people try to write the first draft of a novel during the month of November and this won't be a draft that gets published it will be like a rough draft that I then whip into shape but I have this idea and it'll be written like the, my fantasy series is being written like the third person omniscient narrator and like it is but I feel my voice emerging like I feel like I'm getting my like it will be my distinct style but I don't want it to be like the princess bride where it's like or um oh gosh I'm blanking on the name of that there's a funny fantasy writer who wrote the Discworld series I'm not trying for that I'm writing more in like the tone of voice of like a Harry Potter book but I don't want to silence my voice anymore I want to write the fun snarky room mom novel that I have in mind and I want to just publish it and I don't want to just try to fit in anymore I want to um just be myself damn it because I enjoy being myself so much more than I enjoy being this version of Courtney that is muffled or muzzled you know I don't need to put a muzzle on myself anymore okay so that's enough talking for me. My voice is tired. Um, but yeah, what, what is your voice? What is your perspective? Have you muzzled your voice just to please someone? Do you have some formative experiences? Maybe it has nothing to do with your voice, but with how you make art or with the career you pursued where you let one person's remark because they were sort of 
you are either in a really tender moment or because it was like a frenemy like me or, you know, a parent or just someone influential just made that one remark like, what are you, what, what is weighing you down and that you can let go of? Because, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, I'm finding it is easier and easier to let go of shit. I just have to pay attention and figure out what shit am I holding on to? Oh, I'm holding on to this remark that my frenemy made over 20 years ago about me not being funny. You know what? I am ready to let that shit go. Oh, I am still holding on to this remark from a woman judging me for like having potty mouth. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to let that go. And I'm not going to swear in front of kids, but if someone doesn't like my voice or my, you know, approach to life, I don't need them as a friend because there are so many other people out there who I, like, who are on my wavelength, who I'm meant to be friends with. I don't need to change myself in order to be friends with someone who I don't even enjoy the friendship. Like, who have you tried to please in your life and it's not even worth pleasing? What, what shit can you let go of? Okay. Huh. I think that's a good note to let to uh, end on. Um, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, if you want more of my voice, I do have a newsletter. And you just go over to my website, CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And there's a page called Newsletter. And you fill in your name. And it's going to be a lot like the emails I send as a room mom. Um, kind of quirky and funny and snarky and also authentic as hell. All right. Oh, look, my phone's ringing. It is Hendersonville, Tennessee. What do we think? Spam? Oh, yes. All right. I hope you have a wonderful week and that you are enjoying the month of October. I didn't even talk about my Halloween decorations. Maybe next time. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures with My 40s. You can reach me through my website, CourtneyHenningNovak.com, or on Instagram at Courtney.Novak. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Have a great and wonderful week.